Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Damn these Biloxi blues, it happens every night. I sure have not. The summer heat never treats me kind. It leaves trouble on my mind. So I'm bidding farewell, putting in my notice, and I'll see you at This highway does not know my name, and I don't care. No, I don't care. To the daggum hook. Just a white line gypsy getting out of Mississippi with just enough gas to keep there. Low budget live, not so live from the low budget live bar and grill. And I am your host, Luke Duncan. And if you are listening to this program, you are now a low lifer. You might be an old low lifer, you might be a new low lifer, but a low lifer you indeed are. That's what the listeners of this fine program refer to themselves as. So welcome if you're returning, and welcome if you're new. I'm happy to have you right here on the Luke Duncan's Traveling Circus YouTube channel, on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you may find us through the Waypoint Collective, however you wound up here today. Proud to, proud to see you, virtually speaking, of course. Proud to see you. Hope everybody's doing well out there. And uh, this is the podcast for Monday, May the 17th, 2021. And them days, man, them calendar days, they just flying. They just flying by. But uh, I'm happy to see it's finally, uh, man, we had some cold weather in Tennessee last week. And so it's warming up now. It's like 75 today. Of course, we're recording this on Sunday. 
Beautiful weather, finally. But this week it was cold for Tennessee for uh, May, so you boys been like all bundled up and uh, and over it. But we're gonna get some uh, we're gonna get some proper May weather this week. Let me tell you what I got last night. Let me just just get your mind out of the gutter, okay? Let me tell you what I got last night. Not what you're thinking. Not what you're thinking. Man, I got to see live music. Oh gosh. Oh, man. For the first time since February of last year, I got to see live music. Triple Threat and I went to Knoxville and saw Dirks Bentley, Dirks Bentley and Cody Canada and The Departed. And, and Dirks did a really cool thing. He played five just bar gigs, and he played Cotton Eye Joe, just old country bar up there in Knoxville. And we, we got tickets, and we went... And it was fan-freaking-tastic. It was a good time. There was a bazillion people there. It was hot. Uh, it, it, we, we sweated through our blue jeans and our cowboy boots. But you know what? It was worth it, as Darian would say. It was worth it. It was so crazy, man, feeling that, that normalcy. They, they crammed us in. There was no social distance. They ain't doing none of that, you know? Um, of course, I've had my vaccine. A lot of people have. A lot of people hadn't. A lot of people ain't gonna get it. Whatever. That's your business. That's your business. A lot, of, but no mask inside this place. But it was this. It was this feeling of normalcy. If there is a COVID hotbed now in Knoxville, it was probably because of this concert. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. But it was just a good time. Everybody, you could just feel that everybody's just so over it. <laughs> it was just that immense feeling of that last night. But it was cool to kind of be back in a normal state whatever that means, and uh, super great show. Hats off to Dirks for being here, and he said that. He goes, we're out here on the front lines for the country music industry because so many people are just scared to go do that, to go do that for the risk of the comments on the post or the backlash from the press or whatever. So it's cool to see somebody do that um, and just throw it out there. But Cody Canada, if y'all y'all listen to this, a lot of y'all my red dirt folks out there, I've been listening to Cross Canadian Ragweed for years. Of course, Cody Canada and the Departed. I got me a picture with Cody last night. I've met Cody a time or two in Nashville. Uh, over the years of shows and different things, but ran into him on the sidewalk because I was leaving last night, and I was like, Cody, I don't want a picture. And I fangirled out a little bit, got me a picture with Mr. Canada himself, super nice guy. He's always so gracious, but just a rock star and a legend uh, in music, in my opinion, but uh, freaking awesome. And, And man, I'll be honest, I'm the old man at the concert now. That happened. That hit me between the eyes last night. I was like, you know what? I'm the, I'm, I'm an old guy here. And, and there were some other older folks. And shout out to my over 40s. I, I'm 37, but shout out to the over 40s that were in the crowd because we were surrounded. And I'll tell you my age. Like, I, I don't keep up with a lot of mainstream country. I love I love Dirk Spentley. I think he's a super talented dude. I think he's a good dude. Not crazy about every song that he does. Obviously, I listen to a lot of... Uh, Non-mainstream stuff a lot, but but I do like Dirks. I like what he stands for. I think he's a cool cat. I think, you know, it speaks volumes. He has a guy like, you know, Cody on these kind of shows with him and stuff. Um, he's always stood up for, like, the the little musician that fights hard kind of, kind of guy. And it was uh, – he brought out Cole Swindell, who I don't listen to. Like, I know, like, one song. And this is when I realized I was old. He brought him up towards the end of the night. And I swear on everything I got, the place was deafening. <laughs> like you couldn't hear when that young dude come up there. Everybody, ah! and, and and the triple threat. I was like, I mean, am I missing something? Because I was doing that over Cody Canada. 
Cross Canadian Rag Week. Cody Canada departed. And nobody else really was that much. Uh, some other old cats <laughs> like myself, but Cole Swindell, buddy, that roof went off that place, and he got up there and did it. He got up there and did it. But I don't, I don't know the guy. He was, he was a talented young man. Seemed like everybody in there knew who he was, except for myself. Of course, I've heard the name. I'm, I'm in the music world uh, a lot, paying attention. Got buddies, songwriter buddies, and guys out there trying to make it, but not as up on that dude as everybody else is apparently. But uh, it was cool to see. But that made me feel like an old fart. <laughs> To say the least, I tell you what it did get me excited for was the classic, the Bassmaster Classic, because Texas, I feel like it's going to be full bore seeing that last night. People are wanting to get out, man. So I think the classic in Fort Worth is going to be a lot of fun in a month. A lot of fun. And I am planning on bringing you fun if you're at the classic with low budget live, live, book it, mark your crap, June 12th. From the library bar in Fort Worth, we are going to do this right here, Low Budget Live Live, starting at 7 p.m., library bar, June the 12th, and then music to follow. Me, Shannon Wheeler, maybe some more cast of characters, going to be playing some new music. I got some music coming for you in a couple weeks. We're fixing to release a deal. More details come on that next week. Me and Shannon recorded some songs. Y'all remember hearing about it? I was basically almost dead with COVID. So was he calling it the COVID sessions. But we've got some songs coming up. But going to be playing live. It's going to be awesome. But that got me so fired up last night seeing that. uh, Man, the energy in that room. I was like, man, I can't wait for the classic. So glad we got that booked up this week. Thanks to the Library Bar. Very cool spot in Fort Worth for uh, hosting that, having us out. June the 12th. So if you're going to be at the Classic, let me know in the comments. If you're going to be at the Classic, we want to blow it out just like we did last year. I will. Last year, we failed miserably at streaming it. We are going to do better this year. I promise you uh, our our T's are going to be crossing. Our I's are going to be dotted there uh, for the low-budget live live from the library bar. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, StarTron. Kicking ethanol in the freaking teeth. Just just getting it out of your weed eater, getting it out of your chainsaw, getting it out of Fat Cat Newton's log splitter, out of his three-wheeler. It'll take care of it in your outboard. Nobody wants ethanol hanging around. It's like that creepy uncle. You don't, It just slides in there, and you're like, hey, whoa, whoa, hey, 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 who invited Uncle Ricky to the barbecue? Not me. I was just trying to, you know, get Aunt Janice. Over here, and Uncle Ricky showed up, and we all know what Uncle Ricky's about. See, that's what ethanol is. You try to get that gas, it's got that ethanol in it. Mess, you, mess, you, mess the works up. So, little dab will do you right here. Put you some StarTron in your tank, because nothing ruins a great day on the water like an outboard engine that won't run. So, kick some ethanol in the teeth with StarTron, bringing you low-budget life for almost four years now. Sims. Fishing products. Look at this new swag. Got me some new t-shirts. Got some. I'm wearing some shorts. Y'all can't see them, but they're fly. I'm not gonna lie. The kids say I got that drip. That's what they're saying. All the sim stuff is amazing. The new CX rain suit. I have not got my hands on one of those yet, but they they are uh, passing with flying colors. From everybody I know that has got to try some of the protos out. The uh, solar flex. We're gonna be solar flexing this week on the Tennessee River for sure. Solar flex sun shirts, hooded sun shirts. Love those. Uh, but huge shout out to Sims for bringing you low budget live, the traveling circus, keeping us, keeping us dry on them wet days, keeping us that gum, you know, protected from the sun because nobody wants skin cancer because that's no bueno. Nobody wants that. So I'm here to remind all of you low lifers, you get one life. Fish it well. Pro Guide Batteries, the official battery 
of Low Budget Live and the Traveling Circus. Got them in the Express X21. I've talked about them to death, the 31 AGMs. And I got good news for you lowlifers. I was told this week y'all bought them out. Y'all bought every one, every one of them 31 AGMs off the website they got with that code LBL10. So I appreciate that, but I'm running those 31 AGMs. Love them, love them, love them. They got some new stuff coming out we're going to talk to you about very, very soon. But thank y'all for using that code, and thanks to ProGuide for supporting Low Budget Live. And last but not least, Express Boats. Hot Springs, Arkansas, that X21 Pro, the official boat. The banner. Hang it. Hang the banner in the bar and grill. The official boat of Low Budget Live and the Traveling Circus X21 with that 250 Yamaha show. Loving it this year. Every stinking bit of it. The sea deck, the freaking storage. Love, love, love the X21. Hoping to get some, spend some time in it this week in 80 degree weather and go catch me some ledge fish by George. That's the goal. But uh, another cool thing about Express and the classic, huh? See what I did there? Gonna do LBO live, 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 live. The bar gig, the freaking music, the extravaganza on June 12th, Saturday night. But on June the 12th, during the day, what, Luke? You're doing all this stuff? Yes, June 12th is going to be a very busy day for yours truly. June the 12th at the Classic Expo in the Express booth at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. There's going to be a low budget going down there in the Express booth. So if you're at the Classic Expo, you can get all this, just this little, you know, Podcast that could that you won't. <laughs> it's going to be wall to wall, tree tuft tall, as Fat Cat Newton would say. Going to be a good time in the express booth, but loving that express. Express boats building excitement since 1966. Thanks to those fine sponsors. All right, moving on. Let's do the dang thing. Uh, awesome week, crazy week. If you follow me on social, you saw I got to bust the boys out of school and go to the Elite Way in down at Gaston. Freaking just awesome. So cool. Uh, and it was, it, it just being there for Swindles, Darian and I called each other that morning, Swindles leading on Bass Track. They're three hours away, so I had to make a decision like, do I go? And Darian's like, dude, we got to be there. Win, lose, or draw, we got to be there for G. He's been there for us. So we go. And I, I went and got busted Hudson and Ryder out of school. Super cool deal, man, for me. They were geeked out. Polinick was there, Mr. BP. I text Brandon on the way. I was like, hey, man, bring in my boys. So cool he stays for those weigh-ins. But uh, Hudson got to meet Brandon. He was super nervous. It was so just a proud dad moment. It was like this cool defining moment, you know, I felt like uh, for him to get to be there and uh, and be a part of that, man. So um, couldn't be just man. The Bass community is just so so cool. All the folks at Bass, just great people. Uh, got to talk to uh, Hank Weldon down there. Got to see so many of my of my Bass Master um, buddies down there. And just man, it was awesome. Got to see uh, a lot of old friends. Got to meet some low lifers, some some new friends, and it was uh, it was a special day. So, congrats to Wes Logan. Uh, of course, congrats to BP who left. Just missed part, the biggest part of practice, goes to the James River, gets the dub in the Bassmaster Northern Open. Just insane. Something he was, Brandon and I were texting this morning, something he was telling me, he has made the final, and I didn't know this, has made the final day at the James River five freaking times. Five times. Five. Five times. Twice his co-anglers won 
the tournament on the final day. And he finally got done. He's like, man, that fishery is so special. So we were going back and forth about that very, very interesting stuff from BP. Man, I got a feeling about him at Gunnersville this week, too, in the Elite. I don't know why. I text him that, too. I'm like, I, I don't know, man. There's just a – I think it's the way the fish are set up right now on the Tennessee River. I don't know. I just think he could have a really big week. And, I mean, that, I know that's like picking Michael Jordan to not, you know, to win a championship or whatever. But because uh, he's just – Brandon just fishing out of his mind the last couple of years. But uh, very cool. So congrats to Polinick, friend of the show, sent us the lovely butterfly – couple years back that we keep right here on the bar at the bar and grill to remember uh my mother and uh it is it is very uh i like to see good guys do good things so brandon polonic my boys of course i've talked about on here just love those videos man i do too and it's something we can do together watch those very 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 cool we watch those and we watch dude perfect that's what we get that's my living room all the time brandon polonic dude perfect brandon Polinick, they don't watch no luke duncan's traveling circus brandon polonic i get it Dude, perfect. I get it. So uh, I don't even know if my boys subbed to my channel. <laughs> That's probably the case. Congrats to the Johnson boys, those Canadian brothers, winning uh, Sturgeon Bay Open again for like whatever the fourth time they've won it with like 37 pounds of smallmouth a day. I don't know. They won it. Uh, I would just pull out of the parking lot if I saw those guys pull in up there at Sturgeon Bay Open. But they won it again. Congrats to those boys. And uh, on this brother train, the Hunts Brothers, probably butchering that. Hunts Brothers, one of the coolest stories in bass fishing I read about this morning. Not the Pizza Hunts Brothers. You know, like Hunt Brothers, like in the convenience store. No, these are Hunts Brothers from California. One on the California Delta in the Toyota Series, Pro and Co., Logan and Colby. Logan wins the pro side. His brother wins the co What are the odds of that? That probably has happened before. I'm not sure, but uh, pretty freaking awesome, I think. i got to look up one thing real fast. Hang on, got to text our guest, too, here. Yeah, it's uh, – I, I wonder – y'all comment below if you know that, if a, if a brother – Brother, brother, brother combo has ever been like pro co champs. I don't think that's the case, dude. I don't. I don't think there's no way that's the case, right? All right, I gotta check something out here, just real quick. Yep, that's what I thought. Cox watch, hashtag Cox watch. Gotta drop a Cox watch in here. Goes to Ufala, makes a cut. That's right. He ended up twenty seventh, wins him ten grand. Cox watch. John is back. Almost last place in Neely Henry. Goes to Ufala. Catches them up. And uh, where are they going? Oh, yeah, Bass Pro Tour at Harris Chain. Sorry, guys. Sorry, all you other BPTers. You've had plenty to be mad about all year from what I'm hearing. And sounds like you're going to get mad at John Cox because he's probably going to do very well at the Harris Chain. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. He tends to do freaking uh, great there. I mean... Lots of uh, lots of topsy turvy stuff. Conversations coming out of those uh, those BPTs, man. There's some unhappy anglers over there. Whew. I mean, unhappy about some information rules about some different things. But I hear this from from all the events this year. It's just like some mad clashes going on. And the craziest thing I heard from uh, Travis was that you know you got FLW ML FLW qualifiers like four of them that make you know get to qualify to pay five grand to fish a BPT. Uh, they were asked to leave the room during the meeting because it got so heated. <laughs> and that was coming from one of the qualifiers. <laughs> like, all right. It's like, nothing to see here. 
nothing to see here. But uh, yeah, apparently there's some discussion going on about whether or not there should be an information rule, like as far as just like sitting around talking to your buddies, because I think there's a, you know, there's a there's a strong belief that there's a group of guys that do it anyways, whether it is a rule, uh, you know, if you fail a polygraph, you just write them a check, and then so they just do it. And then uh, there's a contingency of guys that are like, well, this sucks because I can't even talk to Fishing about my roommate because I'm doing it the right way. So I want to see it where we just don't have that rule anymore. And then you have a contingency of guys that are like, well, I don't want it to be any information whatsoever sharing between anglers, yada, 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 even if they're in the tournament. So that's that's the gist of it from what I'm understanding from, from folks I know. And, uh, you know, that and they're paying entry fees. And I just think it's just not a happy time right now. This is year three. Going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Not as many guys fishing the opens as I thought. So you know, what happens? You got a lot of guys still, obviously, uh, right now, the FLW, uh, excuse me, Big Five is at Ufala, and uh, you've got Skeet Reese again in the top 10, Bobby Lane, uh, David Walker. So you got BPT guys fishing those still in the mix. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I don't know what happens. I don't know what happens after this year with BPT. There are anglers that I've heard have threatened to leave. I've talked to some anglers that say they're not coming back. Uh, I've even had some folks reach out about MPFL. So I don't know. I don't know what happens with that at, at all. You know, uh, interesting to see, man. I, I just, it's it's just bass fishing at the end of the day, right? And I think when you try too hard to put a different spin on it, rule-wise and all the things you got, I just think, Something's got to give, right? And when you've got guys, they've been doing the same format for years. Rules are different at different places. And I'm all for the rules being super strict, and I think they are, but there's this constant cloud of there are those that don't have to adhere to them as well that come out of there a lot. So I think that that's, you know, that's a problem because if you have these strict rules, Everybody needs to follow them, right? And there needs to be penalties for them. And and I just don't get that vibe. And I think a lot of guys that fish that don't get that vibe as well, uh, to say the very freaking least. So be interesting to see what happens as it goes along. Because, look, if you're not fishing the Opens and you're not fishing the Leeds and you don't go MPFL, the only choice you have is that, right? And that's why I said MPFL was so important, I felt like, to have another option in this sport for whether it's up-and-comers, whether it's the young guy that fishes the opens but decides he wants to get more professional-level work, whether it's the guy that just doesn't want to fish any of that anymore, he just wants to fish MPFL. Like, you need a landing spot because otherwise you're going to be back to the Toyotas. You're going to be in that Bassmaster Opens purgatory that I've talked about where you can just get trapped for years, even if you're a great angler, or you're going to have to go back down to the Big Five Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit. And my thing is... If you're unhappy with them at the BPT, why would you go do that? You know, I don't know, man. I, I think that it's, uh, I think there are a lot of guys that are just like, it's just hitting them between the eyes that it's not what they originally signed up for. And hopefully, hopefully, for those people's sake that made those decisions in life, there are the powers that be there just make good decisions. Just make good decisions. That way these guys aren't out of a place to fish. They they keep making good decisions, you know, um, or start making good decisions, I should say, to to help those guys out. And, you know, they say it's angler-driven. It doesn't sound like we're listening to anglers that much. So um, going to be really interesting, man. I've heard that, that, like, 
close to half the field super, super, super pissed off right now. So, um, anyways, all right, moving on. They got Harris Chain next. They got to worry about that. They can't worry about the rules. So my first guest today, yeah, I got multiple guests today because it hit me. Not because I'm thirsty. I normally don't do. <laughs> I normally don't do multiple guests. And the reason being is I just, I don't know, I like to give one guy his his due diligence on the show, make the episode about them primarily, um, and I don't like to do multiple guests. Um, and I think it's just like, hey, look at, you know, I've got 57 people today. Uh, I don't do that a lot, but it hit me that we were at MPFL, we recorded me, Dudley, and Fat Cat before that term was over. I never had Keith Carson on. So our guest today, our first guest today is Keith Carson. Got his first big win, National Professional Fishing League. This dude's a machine. John Cox said it right here that he would win several. And we're going to call Keith right now on this old low lifer hotline. See if we can get a hold of the shallow water guru that is hey, man. Keith Carson. What's up, brother? Oh man, not much. Uh, you won't believe what I'm doing. Right now. <laughs> you I, know what? I, every time I call John on the show, he says the exact yeah. same thing. So what are you doing right now? <laughs> okay. So I got my new uh, my Crestliner, my MX21 in, and and I bring it to my mom's because uh, my stepdad was a diesel mechanic. He's okay. Thirty thousand dollars worth of tools. So every time I go over there. I can never get crap done. We start talking and stuff. So today, I'm over there rigging stuff, and my stepdad's up in the attic, and he's like, hey. He's like, Keith, there's some boxes of some old basketball cards you used to collect when you were a kid. <laughs> he, says, he says, you want me to bring them down? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess. So we flip it open, and we start going through it. And, and I was like six, seven years old in the early 90s when I was collecting these, and I kept them in mint condition. And we started going through them, and I have, like, I have a Michael Jordan card worth $1,400. Come on! Entry fee yeah. money coming on strong. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I love yeah. it, dude. And I got another one that's uh, selling on eBay for $750. Come on! I'm like, so I'm calling all my friends, all my childhood friends. I'm like, hey, you remember when we used to collect cards? Go look for them now. Dude, like, they're worth something. Was so. there anything better then getting a brand new set of trading cards, getting that pack, man, the tops going. I, 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 dude, I'll never, I remember, I can remember how they smell right now and yeah, opening those yeah. packs and just, just going as fast through them as you could to see if you got one of just the gems that you needed. That's, that is so awesome, man. I'm with you. Yeah. It's like, that was just, uh, you know, it was like a childhood nostalgic. Yeah, no uh, doubt. Man. No yeah. doubt. That's incredible. So I would have never guessed that that's what you were doing in this exact moment. So <laughs> I, I figured you were like, Oh, I'm fishing for an alligator, uh, on the bed or something <laughs> insane with a swim jig or something. Like I, I never know with you two. Uh, you don't. You so, don't. Yeah. So, dude, I, I I said before I got you on, I've got you today, and we've got another guest after you. And I and I said I normally don't double up ever. And I was like, man, it hit me that I never had you on after Wright Patman. We recorded a low budget on the day, uh, the evening of day two. Then I had to go fish the Bassmaster Open the next week, so you and I didn't get to record a podcast because I, I want to have everybody on from the MPFL that wins. And so right. I've got to start by saying congrats on that. That was uh, phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. It, yeah. 
Just, I mean, how did that feel, dude, in this first season? I asked John Sokup the same thing when I had him on, but how does that feel to be a part of this inaugural year and and to get a win? Man, it's it's surreal, honestly. It's, uh, you know, you know, a win is something you can never um, predict to happen. You know, I, I John and I talk about this. You know, we, we assume throughout the year we're going to have some decent finishes and we hope to always cash a check when we can. But a win is just there's so many variables and that go into winning. Um, you know, you just can't count on it. So when you do win, it's like this surreal feeling like, wow, everything worked out. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and to get it done in only two starts, uh, that's, that's actually what's really got me tickled is like, you know, it's just, you know, it's like the second one and then I won and wire <laughs> to wire. So like, <laughs> like dang. <laughs> The only thing that feels better is Sukup winning the first one. That's pretty darn cool. Yeah, you know, aluminum, aluminum bros. That's what I say. The yeah. aluminum, the aluminum boat bros, back to back on MPFL. Yeah. The aluminum boat trail. I like it. Man, and I you've got a chance to make it three, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. I mean, yeah. And the Harris chain, for those of you that that don't know Keith, of course, Keith, Florida, just amazing angler. But you and John Cox have fished together for years and years and years. Uh, John said on this show, but for people that missed it, that you are the best angler he's ever been in a boat with, hands yeah. down. And he said right. that you. You were a UPS guy for a little bit? Yeah. And, yeah, I was. Yeah. Okay. And he said that when you did that, you stopped. You didn't get to fish as much, obviously. But now you are just all in on trying to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm all in. Like you said, you know, it's, uh, you know, John, um, yeah, John's just, in my opinion, the best angler in the world. Um, you know, of course there's guys with better stats like Jacob Wheeler and stuff, but in terms of how he catches them, um, and, uh, the decisions he makes and how he does it is just so inspiring to me. Um, I agree. To have, you know, I mean, you know, there, there is guys that are winning in, in other fashion and new ways with forward facing sonar and stuff. And that's awesome, man, to, to be innovative like that. But for John to win the way he does, man, it's just I can't explain it. Just how awesome that is. Well, I, I've tried to explain it, and, and you're the same way, man. In that, you guys do what you do, mm-hmm. and you do it well, and you make it work for you, no matter where you're at in the country, right? So that's right. that's what's always amazed me with John. Is okay. We're in Sam, we're at Sam Rayburn in January. The water temperatures in the 40s. Well, he'll find somewhere where it's in the 50s, and he'll go catch them on a frog because that's what he wants to do. That's what yeah. makes him an incredible angler to me, and it's the same with you. I watched you. Dudley and I were – it was cool for me, and I, I'd like to pass this on to you right here on LBL, but to see Dudley, who is a legend in the sport of bass fishing, as yeah. we're commentating, we're watching you and watching what you're doing on the water and how you're breaking down – everything that you're doing and your technique there like we're both i'm obviously learning but to watch dudley look he's looking at me like whoa did you see what he just did there whoa did you see that (laughs) and dude it was it was truly like i would get mad when they would cut away from your feed to go to somebody else (laughs) i was like no 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 just keep it on keith because we're learning here like it, it was it was incredible dude um 
but but just your confidence, your decision making in that event, but just your your style. And I will, I, you know what? There are some things that are better left secret. And guys, you can go watch it on YouTube if you want to. But I just think the action you take with your lures, man, like your overall technique is just different than what I see with a lot of people. And right. it's it was it was really you talk about inspiring, dude. It was inspiring watching you for three days at Right Path. It was so awesome. Man, thank you so much for saying that. You know, it means a lot. Uh, you know, I I, I consider myself and, and John as well, you know, we're guys who, uh, you know, we grew up working, you know, we painted apartments, hung drywall, finished texture, drywall, all that stuff. And, and we're just hardworking guys. And, and if I can help the everyday angler, you know, the nine to five guy, you know, those are the guys who I want to represent. Um, and, and if I can help them in any way with small little tips, you know, that, that I can show people on live when I'm in the moment making those decisions, um, you know, that's that's my goal is just, just to help people. Fishing is so hard. It is you know, hard, man. It's, it's yes, hard, it is. You know? and, and like, yeah, any little tip, I, I'm more than willing to share with anyone. What's um, the number yeah. one thing you think bass fishermen – what the number one mistake I should say they make in shallow water? Ooh. Um, man, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> the number one mistake. Okay, I, you know what? I I got an answer for this. Okay, I think the the number one mistake that that I see as an error of shallow water guys is they don't commit to it. Okay, um, and and the reason is is because, uh, so, you know, many guys can go offshore and you can get a lot of bites and you can catch quality fish. Tournaments can be won offshore, obviously. Um, but the amount of bites you're going to get are far more than if you go shallow. And that's almost true a hundred percent of the time at any lake in the nation, you know, you know, maybe there's a, there's an odd instance here or there, but most of the time you're going to get a lot more bites. So, so guys go shallow they fish for an hour or two and they don't get bites and then you go offshore and you get tons of bites. But at the end of the day, there's oftentimes you only weigh in 12 pounds or something, yeah. you know? Um, and, and when you go shallow and you stay shallow all day, you're literally fishing for five to eight bites. If you get more than 10 bites and you're having a hell of a good day, yes. you know, really it, it's always a grind a hundred percent of the time. But if you go shallow and stay shallow, um, you will get a big bite at some point throughout the day, almost every day. It's just the way it is. Why, why do you think those that. big fish tend to stay up there no matter the time of year? You know, I think that um, in in my theory, I, I think that there's big fish up shallow and there's big fish out deep 100% right. of the time throughout the year. But in my personal theory, what I found was that um, – when when fish are shallow like big fish i can present the bait to them in a way where i can entice them to bite when they're not hungry okay um get a reaction bite and i recently i just fished offshore on lake seminole i absolutely bombed i had a fantastic practice i thought i could catch 25 a day and the fish moved and what happened was that when i was fishing offshore the fish were still there but the conditions change, and I didn't have an exact bait to um, trigger a strike mm -hmm. for the offshore fish, as where if I was shallow and, say, fishing went to crap because we had clear blue skies, I can still trigger a bite from those shallow fish. You know, there's still yeah. something, 
you know, there, there's a way to do that to entice it. And so, um, uh, you know, yeah. So for me, you know, offshore is just, uh, you know, if they don't want to bite, then there's nothing you can do to get them to bite. Really. That's a fact. That is a fact. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and yeah. I, I argue that with the forward facing sonar stuff, people are like, Oh, it's killing the sport. It's doing this. I'm like, listen, I can take you to Lake in Tennessee right now. And we'll go look at like two or 300 if you want to and big ones on live scope. But if they don't want to bite, they won't bite. And you can go through yeah. your entire rotation, but they own you when they're out there. They do. But I, I, I do agree with you because I love shallow water fishing so much. If he's up there around a dock, around a log, in some weeds, there's probably something you can do to piss him off <laughs> yeah. at some point. Yeah. I mean, it, it might take a, a lot of casts from different angles, different baits, whatever. But, man, and and, and look, before the floods of comments come in, about the you know you can trigger those offshore fish yes there are times you know yeah. I'm a tennessee river guy yes you can trigger them sometimes and once you trigger them they, they'll go crazy but man i've seen a lot right. of days where they just sit there tight-lipped as well like you're saying down at seminole that's that's crazy man uh so i gotta ask you uh you you text me last week you've got it you got your new boat so you're no longer mm-hmm. going to be in the john cox boat that you wrote your, you painted your name on the side of <laughs> so you won the open in John's boat to go to the classic yeah. and you painted your name on the side for the MPFL. It's been my, one of my favorite things about MPFL this year is, is seeing uh, you there. And thank you. now you've got this boat, man, is there some certain juju that comes with you and Cox sharing this boat? There was a lot of bass brought into that thing, man, in the last 12 I months. Know. So are you, are you a superstitious dude? <laughs> I am. You know what? I, like, I swear there's something about John breaks him in and he'll win a tournament out of it. And then I get it. And then I win a tournament out of it. And, uh, you know, so I'm like, man, there's something special about these boats. <laughs> no doubt. But, <laughs> but you know what? Uh, I don't know. I hope that um, I can break the uh, superstitious, superstitious cycle on that. Um, we've broken a few other cycles. John, uh, superstitious cycles. Anyways, um, one thing John and I do is we eat bananas in the boat almost every single day. Okay. Uh, bo- <laughs> both of us. And there's people who swear do not bring a banana in the boat. I won lay Lake with a banana in the boat every single day. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, what? uh, you know, I, I do believe in it, but Hey, I'm going to hope I can change that. <laughs> man, that's awesome, dude. Um, <laughs> I gotta ask you, man, what do you, uh, what do you think about the classic? You get to fish the oh. freaking bass master classic, you and John. And now that you got a boat, you're not going to have to fish as, as a team tournament. You know, the classic <laughs> as a team. <laughs> yeah. That's <sucks. laughs> <laughs> I like my chances. I'd I'd take the back deck in John's boat. Yeah, I think I would too. You might be fishing yeah. a mud trail most of the day, but <laughs> yeah, that's all right. He'd give me a cast here or there. He'd give you a cast okay. or two. Yeah. Did you get to go to Ray Roberts at all and, and poke around before cutoff? No, no, not at all. Um, so wasn't able to make it there. Never been to the lake. Never seen it. Um, I do watch uh, YouTube videos as much as I can. Um, I found this guy that's on YouTube. Uh, I can't remember the name of his channel, but like no one watches it. He's got like a hundred views or something. <laughs> Man, I wish you remember and, his name. We give him a shout out. Yeah. Well, he throws a kayak in the back of like okay. a 88 Toyota Corolla. The thing's like rusted <laughs> and he drives down these roads and he's like, all right, yeah, we'll put him here. You know, and I have no clue where he's at. He's on Ray Roberts. But then he just gets out there and he's just like dragging a worm and he's like, got one 
and it, and then it comes up and jumps, and it's like an eight. And I'm like, oh my gosh! And then 30 minutes later, he's like, got another one, and it's like a six. And I'm like, holy crap! I'm like, yeah, I'm getting, starting to get excited now, you know? That's <laughs> awesome. So you're looking for yeah. kayak spots, then? That's that's pretty right. much what you guys look for, anyways, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Or the kayak so spots. Exactly. This guy's like taking the kayak to narrow little, you know, standing timber spots and then it opens up and I'm like, okay, this is what I like to see. Yeah. That, that's, that fits in you guys in your wheelhouse, man. But so you've got MPFL and then the next week, the freaking classic, two big tournaments back to back. The first one being at home. Give us a little bit for those that are they're keeping up with MPFL. Give us a little bit of a taste of what we're going to see. I know BPT is going to be down there next week uh, before us, but give us a taste of what this tournament could look like weight wise for three days, technique wise. Like, what will we see? Because we're only used to, in my opinion, know BPT did the heavy hitters deal at Toho last year, but we don't see a lot of professional level events at Florida in the summertime. So, what can we expect on Harris first week of June? So I think on Harris, you know, it's going to be a good bite. Um, I do think Offshore will win this tournament and with a three-day event. Um, a shallow guy such as myself might bust a real big bag one day. Uh, I won an ABA tournament there in on Harris Chain in July of 20. I had 27 pounds and lost nice. two seven-pounders, and that Oof. was shallow. Um, you know, could have had in the mid-30s or so pretty easily. Um, but uh, – but that's nothing that I can maintain for three days. So um, with that being said, I do think it'll be one offshore. I think the shell bars, edges of the grass, um, stuff like that's going to really, uh, really shine. Um, but you may not see a lot of giant bags, like over 25-pound mark, but you're going to see a lot of quality, a lot of that 18 to 22. Okay. Uh, and, and stuff that's repeatable and consistent for three days. Now you've said um, you don't fish offshore. I got to cut you yeah. off and throw that in there. Are you going to have to do that to win Harris? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you yeah, heard it here, gonna, folks. Yeah, I, I, I am. So, like, I uh, have been rigging Carolina rigs, and I'm testing them out. Like, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to like, uh, put on a split ring. And, like, do I use a glass bead with my weight like the old timers do? Or do I use, like, the rubber Jethro style, uh, you know, the pegs, like, I honestly don't know how to rig a Carolina rig. Haven't used one since the mid 2000s. You're not missing anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I am going to have one on for the damn Harris thing, without a doubt. Okay. Uh, so I'm just trying to, you know, get out those, uh, iron out the little details and That's the variables cool. Put, and the weaknesses. Putting the time in, man. That's that, mm-hmm. I hear that more and more. Getting to do this, getting to do the live thing with MPFL, but doing the podcast and getting to talk to all you amazing anglers that, that catch them and have these big tournament wins. There's one thing that comes out. You got to be obsessed with this. I talked about it on last week's show. You have to be obsessed with bass fishing, and I feel like you are definitely one of those guys that are just, you know, you just eat, sleep, and breathe it, man. It's what you do. You're talking about, oh yeah, I'm just. Uh, you're super accomplished anger. I'm testing different Carolina rig theories basically mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. this event on your home lake because you know it could be a tool you have to utilize, man. That's that's so cool to hear and refreshing that you never stop learning. Even on your home lake, you never stop learning because you're obsessed. Never. No, that's that's the key. You know, I think that's also the thing that will continue to drive guys like myself or John to to make this a lifelong career is to never stop learning. Never give up. Um and, and I learn baits. One of the things like I have a lot of pride in is I learn baits inside and out, every single bait. I want to know the degree of the line tie, the angle, 
um, everything like from a chatterbait. I know the thickness of the blade, the distance of the, the blade to the head, uh, the, the hook, uh, what, what kind of keepers on it, you know, what kind of line tie is on the blade. Uh, everything I break it down to minute, minute details, and I memorize everything. So um, now I, I'm at the point, you know, I can look at a chatterbait and within a few seconds tell you if it's a good one or not, <laughs> uh, regardless of who makes it. You know, yeah, man, so, that's awesome. Love it, yeah, that's amazing, dude. Well, well, man, I gotta say I appreciate you coming on, giving me some, uh, giving me your time here on a Sunday. Uh, are you just hair chains off limits, right? So you just. Uh, you just fishing all those other amazing lakes that are around you right now, waiting on the MPFL <laughs> to get to town? Yeah, yeah, Harris is off limits, so yeah, I'm just going to be uh, uh, fishing some local stuff. Uh, I actually haven't fished much in the last week because I've been getting the boat ready and such. Uh, but uh, but yeah, starting next week, I will be. Heck yeah, I will be man. going out to Toho and stuff, practicing offshore. Well, well, dude, I can't wait to uh, to see you down there. Can't wait to to see how it all plays out, and I. I Really, really appreciate you coming on LBL, dude. Oh, man, thanks for having me. Love your show, man. Hey, thank you, Keith, dude. I I appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure we're going to get to talk uh, again in a couple weeks. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to get to either either interviews for MPFL or maybe an LBL interview again. I know that uh, my money's definitely on you down there. Uh, Thanks, man. I I hope so. That would be a dream come true. All right, man. Well, you you, uh, take care, and I will see you in a couple weeks. All right, thank you, Keith. Absolutely. Keith Carson. So we're going to go from one winner to another right here. Man, Keith is, uh, he's an interesting guy. Man, you just, you just see the wheels turn as you talk to him, especially about fishing. He just gets really fired up and, and, uh, uh, stuff like that freaks me out. Okay. I'm just going to say that. That, being in this this world as long as I have been in the fishing world, hearing guys say something about line ties and hooks and keepers and all this stuff on a chatterbait, and I can look at your chatterbait and tell you that freaks me out. <laughs> Just freaks me out. I had Buddy Gross on here last year talking about brush pile differences and things, and he could tell by side image and this, that, and other. That stuff freaks me out, man. As a fisherman, because I feel like I know a lot, right? Catch a lot of bass, but I'm just like, damn. There are people that are just way more obsessed, that just that just get it. And we're going to talk to one of those right now. Our next guest is the winner of the Bassmaster Elite Series at Hello. Gaston, Alabama, Mr. Wes Logan. What's up, Wes? What's up, Mr. Logan? How you doing, buddy? Buddy, I'm good. I had some technical difficulties. It would not be low-budget live if it wasn't low-budget, and my computer crapped out when I right about the time I got ready to record, but we, we're good to go. And uh, I had Mr. Keith Carson on right before you that won the last MPFL, and now we ending it with Mr. Elite Series champ, Wes Logan. Does that feel weird, hearing that? Uh, it's kind of starting to sink in a little bit, but you, you making me follow up a dang hammer in Carson, dude. I mean, <laughs> He's a freak. Going- He's, I'm telling you, I mean, he's, uh, he's way ahead of me, light years ahead of me, I feel like. Dude, that guy, I, I was just talking about after he got off the phone, just talking to him, how, and we're all obsessed with fishing. It just de- depends on the degree. You're one of those guys that's over the top obsessed with it, man. It's all, it's, it's what makes you, you. But dude, he just, his wheels turn everything. He talks about, when he talks about baits, like 
he just takes it to the next level with stuff. Super, super good dude. And uh, he's going to be in the Classic this year, man. He's a guy that I'm like, not a lot of the bass fishing world knows, I feel like, that will yet. It, it, it's weird because I don't feel like the from as a big, like from a fan standpoint, yes, nobody knows. million percent. Like all, all of us know. That's that. right. Like we, we don't want to fish against him. We'll that's exactly that right, dude. And that's the utmost respect, right? Like, Fans right. tend to follow what they see, you know, the, what they're kind of, I won't want to say spoon-fed, but, you know, the, the more mainstream guys. He just had the win on the MPFL, which I'm working with. It's a new tournament trail, second event. But, dude, this guy will be a household name within the next three or four years, bass fishing, yeah, no matter what trail he's on. It, I was about to say, it wouldn't matter where he was at. I mean, dude, he's going to – I mean, obviously, he won the open at Lowe's. I That's got right. I watch him on the final day of that tournament. You know, I grew up on that whole chain. Yes. The stuff he had fixed – the stuff he had figured out, I was like, yeah, yeah, he's above us. He's on a different level than we are. That's what Atkins said. Atkins goes, watching what he did at Lay just blew my mind, man. Yeah, like well, that That would have never even in a million years, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go throw a crankbait down the river in front of some six-inch deep grass. Water willow. Yeah, I'm just going to go crank yeah. his grass. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, dude. Well, let's right. talk Let's talk about your amazing week, and you, and you get to turn around now, and you, and you go to Gunnersville. Yeah, go to- yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'd like to have just went on down the Coast River if we could have went somewhere down there, but, you know, it, it was a special week. Uh, you know, obviously, I grew up there. I've spent a lot of time there. Um, I, it, it just, it was crazy as the week went on. Like, the, I didn't really think me being a local there was going to make that big of a difference until I realized how the fish were kind of setting up as the week went on, and I was able to just, I'd be able to run down the river and like I'd get a little little sense. I'm like, I need to run in here and throw with this, you know, ten yard stretch. And, yeah. You know, sometimes it would work out, sometimes it wouldn't. But you know, in four days, it worked out twenty times where I made the right call. When it comes to that, and I mean, being from there, you know, fishing, dude, I I couldn't tell you how many hours I put in on that lake. Whether it be fun fishing, night fishing, tournament fishing, evening tournament, just just all the time, and, and you know, it all came to fruition in four days. It was it was so cool to see. I've always had a and I said this last week on here, I've had a soft spot with Neely Henry. One of the first time I ever fished there, my dad and I, a little fishers of men, we came in from out of town, practiced like a half day, and we weighed almost 18 pounds of spots there in March. And Ooh. the guy at the tournament, the guy, the tournament director's like, hey, both partners come up here to the weigh-in if you've got a good bag. And somebody in the crowd says, what's a good bag? He goes, 11 pounds. <laughs> and so <laughs> that, right. it, uh, like, yeah, so we catch 18, and I'm like, uh, Dad, I think we blew this thing out, and we did. And then I had a, a BFL later that year as a co-winner. I was like sixteen. I dig real good in, man. I've just always liked that lake, and I loved the fact. And I said it when the schedule came out that the elites were going there, and then to watch you going to that final day, duking it out with with Bob Downey, duking it out with G, Jason Christie, like all just a freaking everybody that that made it to that final day. Absolutely earned it because the conditions were crazy. But just seeing oh, you, I guess it was day three. I'm like, you know what, man? Well, that's going to be hard to beat going into day four. Just with that local knowledge, man, and just your overall river fishing ability, it was just it was so cool to watch it play out. Yeah, yeah. And day three was kind of the you know you know I, I kind of did what I wanted to do after you know day one. I don't know if you've read any of the articles, but I I literally threw my game plan out the window with like five minutes before blast off. I was going to run down the lake and fish for spots with a spook or a topwater. And 
I, I saw the water had fell like eight or ten inches up there by the ramp, and I had a stretch up the river that I knew in the past it had been good, you know, another one of them history things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to go. I told Kent, I was standing back or in the boat by Canterbury. I said, dude, I'm going to go check this stretch of grass. If I get a bite, I'm just going to stay, you know, within, you know, ten miles of the launch if I can scrap out a limit. If I don't get a bite and it ain't happening, I'm going to run. I'm going to the dam, the lower dam. And, dude, I rolled up there, and everything looked good, and I got like three or four bites within, you know, 10 or 15 minutes and i was like dude they're setting up like like good like where, like <laughs> how i know like how i've won a lot of money on that lake because you know I, I i've you know i fish there all times of the year but there's certain times you do better obviously when you get to fish your strengths and stuff and when i saw that you know i fished you know i kind of knew what was gonna or i thought what was gonna happen day one and day two i i thought i you know i lost a real big one on day two or i would have had another big a decent bag um but day three is when stuff kind of went south for me as far as what I thought was going to happen the rest of the week because for some reason, Alabama Power just decided to – what they did is they slowed the current down from the Weiss Dam, which what that did was it dropped that water from the top end and allowed it to get through Minnesota Bend. So where it had been like a little above full pool up there, it literally dropped a foot and a half, almost two feet within eight hours of us fishing. Dang. So, and, I mean, that's fine. I mean, it, but I just don't like it happening during the day. No. It, it takes a minute for the fish to kind of get set back up. They're used to it, but not in a six-hour period. Right. So, you know, I caught I caught two real key fish that day, a real big one and a good one on a, on a square bill that I don't really fish a whole lot. But when I saw – I saw the weather system coming in the day four – and I did. I was I was waiting till the morning day four to see what they were going, what the water had done as far as if it had dropped some more, if it had come back up. And even Gerald mentioned this on stage. Uh, I didn't really say nothing to nobody because I didn't want to just make it obvious. But <laughs> when I, got back, I got to the ramp. I, I saw my little mark on the bridge. I always look at, and it was like right at it. And I was like, they done brought the water back up a little bit. And now it's about to be rainy and cloudy. I was like, they're fixing the bite for it. Like somebody's fixing it. It's fixing to happen. Yeah. But, yeah, it, I'm not saying somebody's going to drop 20 pounds, but they're going to be biting today at some point. And they, they were biting right off the bat. What was crazy is they bit from daylight till 11 o'clock, and then it died for everybody. Like, yes. Back and it was, and I think it was just they ate so good on that shad spawn. It was just they just that was it. I mean, so was your deal primarily shad spawn related? You no, think? No. I, I tried, I, I, and I, I'm kind of opposite. I try to avoid a shad spawn on that lake as much as I possibly can. Okay. Because you miss, you, a lot of the times the fish don't commit to your bait. And, and, and on day four, I got around one, obviously, and I lost some fish and missed some fish. Some of them come off. But, you know, I like it when they get, because I feel like those fish kind of get on cocaine or crack when they get on shad spawn. <laughs> they do, yes, lake. yes. Because they just run through that grass with their eyes closed and their mouth closed just hit anything in their way that's like, right that's right they see your swim jig they hit it they see a bird fly by they try to eat <laughs> it like they're just like going crazy and yes when they whenever if you can get around like obviously the fish are going to be at more active in the morning a lot of times i'd like to be around like there might be some bait in the area but like a full-on like then she had flicking on each other i just i don't like it i know gerald got on a good one on um, that last day and actually i got kind of close you know within a mi- half a mile of him and it was still going on where i was at and, and dude they were literally like running through the grass with their mouth open i, I ain't never seen anything like that. that's like, crazy it was they were actually eating that day like which i lost a bunch and i think i was just spinning out like a dang drunk hippie <laughs> i'll be <that>. honest <laughs> 
You were like no. you're at Bonnaroo. You're at that gum Woodstock spinning out. Now you did. It you, was, you it was interesting that morning. Now, but you got you kept it together, dude. And for I did. I, it's amazing. I'm a, yeah, and, and I went against what I always do. I hate swimming in white jig on that lake, personally, <laughs> because everybody They see it a lot. <laughs> and I was just like, man, and one would bite my trailers off. And I mean, dude, these weren't like 12 inches. Like, I was seeing them. And that's why it was making me so frustrated on live. You couldn't really tell how big they were from the camera, but, like, I would see them. Yeah. And then I hooked one, and it damn cartwheels to me and comes off. And then I break one off in the mat where I hadn't retied, and I'm like, dude, you got to be kidding me. And then... You know, I made I made that color change to a black one around nine o'clock, and I one ate it, like swallowed it, and then the next one ate it, and then the next one jumped over it and came back and got it two or three casts later. And I was like, if I just keep this in my hand for the next couple hours, I, I think I'm gonna have a chance to make it happen. That's awesome, man. So you did have a feeling that final day, even with losing fish. Listen, I just gotta settle down. I've been catching good enough I, the first three days. I can win it. Yeah, I mean, and I knew because luckily when actually I did put a few fish in the boat, they were like two and a quarter. I caught two, two and a quarters and two and a half. So I mean, yeah. I'm sitting there like, okay, I've lost, you know, 10 fish around two and a half to three pounds, but I only need five and I've got three decent ones and it's only nine o'clock. I mean, I've got all day. Right? Yes. And then when I, but seriously, when I made that, when I, I swam a black one for about 20 minutes and didn't get a bite and then I finally caught one and dude, I'm telling you, it was like swallowed. I was like, Okay, I got it. Like, <laughs> I done figured it out. That's, that's, a, that's a dang good feeling, man. But how how has your family reacted? I, I got to my boys. We got to come to the weigh-in. They're they're all fired up. They were fired up. They said, "Who are you having on the podcast today, Dad?" I'm like, "Wes." And they're like, "Really? You're having Wes on?" Because they they got <laughs> that was their first Elite Series weigh-in. It was super cool. You took some time with them, got a picture. They were all fired up about that, man. But how has your family been? I know you talked on stage about your uncle, your dad. Your family down there is everybody just as pumped as I can imagine. They are, and I mean, I think they're more proud of it than I am. I mean, obviously, I'm proud because you know, I mean, I was the one doing it and all that. But and I look at it, and I, it's hard for me to put it into words how much I appreciate them because they're the ones that took me. They're the ones that got me started. Like yeah. all, a lot of those stretches that I fished, you know, 18, 20 years ago when I was six years old, it was because of them. It ain't like I found all that stuff when I was six years right. old. Right now. Now stuff has changed and adjusted, and I've—I'm not saying I'm better than them, but I've—I've you know going around the country, I've learned different techniques. A lot of things, yeah, yeah. And I was able to apply those different techniques where they taught me like what to look for on on a river system like that. So I mean, just just my dad, my papa, and my uncle, like those three have been so key as far as that river and even that whole river system in general because it kind of sets up the same from top to bottom. I mean, the water clarity changes a little bit, but the bass are still. You know, you got your spots, and then you got your largemouth. They all kind of set up the same. But, I mean, my family right now has been wide open about as much as I have because we've been getting pulled in about 15 different directions. <laughs> I bet. We finally got the camper set up about an hour ago up here at Gunnersville and been rigging. I hadn't even gotten to touch none of my rods or anything since since the last weigh-in. So I got to had to tie on a couple more things for up here. But I think I think we might be ready to fish for a couple hours tomorrow. <laughs> well, good. Well, good. It, one one thing about it, once all the dust settles, and it will in the morning, and another tournament starts, man, that's when uh, you, you'll get back out there and get to work, get focused up. I know. Uh, what do you think Gunnersville's going to be like? So Coosa River, we saw a swim jig, you know, fest. We saw flipping. We saw square billing. Gunnersville, like the time of year we're at, mid-May, you know, everybody's got their assumptions, I'm sure, Tennessee River. But what do you think will be going on at Gunnersville? What are you thinking right now? 
You know, I, I, and I'm not a big Tennessee River guy. I mean, I know you and Gerald, and I mean, I know y'all grew up on this place a lot more than. I, and I, I fished here, you know, a handful of times, but not like like when I was growing up. Obviously, like I said, I would go fish the coast. I mean, I would absolutely just just because this place, you know, it's a little intimidating, you know, just whatever. But I mean, it's hard to go against it. Like you said, it's the middle of May on Tennessee River on Gunnersville, and I know that most of the time a lot of these fish get out deeper earlier than you would really think, you know, kind of the end of April the end of, or beginning of May. Um, I've been on Pickwick a few times this time of year, and they've just been everywhere out deep. The only thing different than I feel like this place than Pickwick is, is this place has – Pickwick's got the grass, don't get me wrong, but this place has way more grass than, you know, Pickwick does or anything like that. So I think my assumption is the winning fish – or the, if you can find them or get on a place without a boat being there or out there you know, <laughs> on an offshore spot. I'm not going to say it's deep, but, you know, an offshore place, 10, 12, maybe 20 feet, however that. But I think it's going to spread a lot of people out being able to fish, the you know, a little bit shallower grass on some bars and stuff. Yeah. And you're gonna, you'll have a top water bite. You'll have some guys trying to – you can beat the bank with a swim jig and a frog. and, and, and not, I wouldn't say compete for a win, but, you know, get a good finish. No doubt. Right? No doubt. You could say a lot of things. It's going to be – I feel like it's going to be kind of like that Pickwick Elite in that you could do a lot of different things that week, you know. Uh, right. Just a little bit later in the year, obviously. Will we see a Shad Spawn play again this week? Uh, unfortunately, dude. <laughs> <laughs> them crackheads. Unfortunately. Them crackheads going to be after it again. I mean, and, and I, but I think I think kind of you get on – and I've never I've – I've literally never fished a Shad Spawn on Tennessee River, but I've seen videos where, you know, they get on those bars – you throw those big crankbaits or they throw them big spinnerbaits. And, you know, I think these Tennessee river fish kind of eat more on, on a deal like that. And, and I just – if somebody lands on something like that, it could be over before it ever even starts. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like we've I, seen I it. I think that was like a top 150 or an elite here like a long time ago. And Van Dam was catching them out deep uh, like before – like, I mean, anybody ever even knew how to fish. Like I think a 5XC had just come out. Yeah, it was brand new. <laughs> Yeah, but everybody was catching them like on a, on a you know a big spinner bait or something, and they were like just smashing them. But I, and I just think, and obviously this place gets a lot more pressure. It ain't gonna be that easy. But if somebody can stumble upon something like that, it, it'll, it, it, like I said, it'll be it'll be dumb for whatever you can get. Oh yeah, you can definitely on shad spawn the Tennessee River. You know how it is, man. I mean, it's it, like you're saying you can and any shad spawn anywhere. I feel like you can get well in a hurry. <laughs> if you, it can, it's, it's got to line up though. It's got to line up. I was about to say, everything has to, like, it's got to be the best 30 minutes of your life. Yes. Yes, for sure. Got to get them in a boat. When I fished the open at Pickwick a couple weeks ago, that was part of my, big part of my game plan going in. Me and Justin both, we were talking to each other during practice and stuff, and I'm like, dude, do you realize if you swing and miss in the first 45 minutes, like, your whole tournament could be over with? And that's terrifying. But it was so true, and it happened to me. I got fortunate to catch some smallmouth and some some largemouth, uh, later in the day in the grass but dude my shad left like six places where i thought it was going to be like 20 pounds and done in like 30 minutes i mean literally it was that kind of deal and man it's it is high risk high reward man i'm this one this whole schedule this year on the elites dude i feel like it sets up so good for for guys like you that that grew up fishing these river systems they're all fixing to go up north but uh Man, one more chance to win again in Alabama, dude. That's got to feel pretty good. And, dude, you yeah. say I don't fish the Tennessee River. Dude, you caught them the last time the Elite was at Gunners on the fall. 
I remember I seeing you on live. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I, and I had an opportunity to win. I was going to the last day. That's right. Win, but I mean, that's right. It's a totally. It, it, I, that's when I've come up here the most is in the fall because I like flipping and I like frogging. Right. I like that line and stuff, and it just. I I know it's not going to set up that way. Um, I'm not going to say the fish aren't going to be in some of the similar areas, but you're not. The, the mats aren't there as far as you know the right. the, the legendary, you know, Miracle Mile mats and stuff like that. But there's going to be some fish caught shallow. I can guarantee it. But going back on the shad phone, like it, it may end up being where you know somebody thinks they're going to crush them and roll up and their shad's gone like you did. Yes. Somebody ain't got a clue, just rolls up in there everywhere, and they bust 28 That's how it goes. <laughs> or you roll up, and you're like, hey, there's there's one busting over there, and there's like freaking a Jamie Hartman bag. Yeah. Yes, um, we've seen that so many times, man, so many times. But, dude, talk about – so uh, right now you're 13th place in AOI standings. Just a few events to go, man. Are you looking forward to that northern swing? How do you – I mean, for for a river rat, what do you think about those smallmouth lakes? Yeah, you know, I mean, the first that was uh, last year was the first time I really had to go up there and like really focus on it. I know my rookie year uh, we went to St. Clair in eighteen for FLW, and I, I think I, I mean I think I ended up finishing like eleventh or twelfth. But I just, you know, the main thing that got me last year is I think I fished good up there. I just had some unfortunate luck as far as trying to land them mean jokes like, <laughs> like even in practice like i would I, you know i got i caught some big ones in practice and i'd get down and like fight them and you know bear hug them <laughs> at the boat i'm like this ain't that bad well dude let me tell you when it's crunch time <laughs> and it's it's 10 o'clock on day one and you ain't got before and this is a sick <laughs> time and you're like i need it and then you start forcing them it just dude it, oh. it, it's a different ball game but i mean i feel like i I fished good up there. Like I'd never seen the St. Lawrence in my life, and I kind of got it figured out on day one of practice. And I and I actually had a good practice, and I, and I didn't have a bad tournament. I finished in the fifties both tournaments uh, last year, or all three tournaments up north last year. And it just, like I said, it, it gives me a little confidence that I, I made some good decisions on finding the fish. I just didn't execute on landing. Them. Yeah. That was, but. I mean, I want to be – I just don't need to bomb the, the last three because, I mean, I feel, I know I'm in a good position to make my first class. No doubt, man. I just need to make a few more good decisions and, you know, catch what I catch. I'm, and, I mean, I would love to go try – you said something about winning again in Alabama. I would love to win, don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to go out there and just swing for the fence and, you know, could finish in 90th trying to win something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go try and figure out how I think I can get a check. Not say I'm fishing for a check, but just, you know – Figure out how to get some bites, basically. No doubt. I, that was going to be my next quick question, is how does it change your mentality now that you've got a blue trophy, now that you've got that win, and you answered it right there for even that you're not really going to change it up. You're just going to go fishing. Because I don't think you ever know. You I know. hear this so much that you're going to win, right? And, and Swindle's always said this to me. He's like, you got to decide during practice what you got. And then you got sometimes you got to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. That's that's always that's always the deal. And but you got to decide leaving practice. Do I have a chance to really do something this week, or even after the first day, do I have a chance to do something, or do I need to get a check, or am I just in survival mode? You know, trying Correct. to do as good as I can do. Uh, so it sounds like even with the win, you're like you're still focused on. You just got to be as consistent as you can be because the classic to me is the most important thing, man. It is, it is. And, I mean, I did a back, uh, article for Bassmaster the other day, and they were talking to me about, you know, I think I fished 26 bass tournaments. Yes. Or BASS tournaments. 20... got checked in 21. Yep, you have. It, it is. I got it written down. 26 total turn, tournaments, 21 times in the money. Yeah. 
And, and that's not, I mean, I, like I tried to tell, I was like, I don't go out there fishing like, okay, I want to try, I'm just going to try and finish 30th, that's all I'm going to do. But you know, like you just said, within day one of practice, you're like, okay, this ain't setting up. This ain't going to be a frog and swim yes. deal. I need to go figure out how to get a couple bites, put my head down that, found as many areas as I can do that in, and just let the chips fall where they may, where you catch a random six-pounder, you you look like a genius. But <laughs> if you get those couple tournaments where, you know, like Neely did, which obviously it was a, a local deal, or like Gunnersville did here last year, I knew Flippin was going to play, I knew Frogman was going to play. I'm like, I'm going to stick this in my hand all practice, and I'm going to find a couple areas that it's going to go down in. If I do, great. If I don't, I'll just keep practicing in the tournament. Because like, I know it's going to go down somewhere. And uh, truthfully, a lot of my better tournaments, and I've had a chance to win, you know, a couple big ones, they've all progressed as the tournament went on. Like, I was able to put a few pieces together in practice, and then as the tournament went, get, got on, like, I'm like, you idiot. Like, there's a light bulb right in front yeah. of you. The whole practice. And it's like right here. Like, just go do this. That's so, awesome, man. And I feel like that that can be said for a lot of shallow water guys. And I feel like you are. I know you're super versatile, but you do like – like you said, frog and flipping, swim jig and all that. So I think the guys that that end up winning a four day tournament shallow, it's almost got to happen that way, right? Like you can't just come out of practice. Oh, I'm going to catch them here, 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 and here. It's got to develop as you go. Yeah, because it's fishing shallow is so much different than fishing deep. It's just a whole different mindset. Where a lot of times, like in a tournament like this, like if, if it's a known like or an assumption that you know a deep offshore bite is going to play. I might, pra- I might look out deep for two days and then trust my instinct on the last day of practice, go check a few things and figure out, well, I need to be swimming a jig instead of throwing a frog. I'll just start running stuff in the tournament and just go by instinct and just see how it goes. Because I've given my chance, uh, myself a chance out deep, and it, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. So that's, that's smart. how I, I look at it. You cover everything. Cover your bases. I like it, man. Yeah. Uh, well, dude, look, I, I'm not going to keep you. I appreciate you calling, man. I wanted to congratulate you on LBL. I know that uh, those blue trophies, man. I mean, you look at a, you look at a guy like Swindle, one of your good friends, one of my good friends. Yeah. Been after it so long, man, and so many guys that have been out there. Those blue trophies are are one of the hardest trophies to come by in the sport sure. of professional fishing. And so to get one, man, as soon as you have here, not even thirty freaking years old. I'm, I'm a little jealous. I'm not gonna lie, Wes. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> And uh, but just to to get that man and and the emotion, uh, I was so pumped to get to be there and see that in person. I was glad my, it was for me. I was talking to Polnick about it. He said, "You know, the sport's going to be okay as long as there are guys like Wes Logan winning that have that kind of emotion when they win." And man, it, it hit me because I, I was. It just made me so grateful that my boys were there to see that in person, man. And and I'm proud of you and proud for you, dude. And I wish you the best of luck this week and the rest of the year. Man, I appreciate it. I mean, from a friend's standpoint, dude, I, I mean, I appreciate everybody being there, you being there. I just the, the support that I've gotten from guys that I look up to, and I'll still look up to, I'll look up to till I quit or I die, whatever comes first. I mean, like Gerald and Christy and Paul. I mean, those guys, they don't have to come out there and congratulate yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're who they are. They don't have to make a name for themselves. And for them to go out of their way and, you know, just say stuff like that, like, it just means a lot. And, you know, I can't ever repay them for – and, and it's not that they give me information or help. It's just the simple fact that they acknowledge, you know, how hard that I have worked. No doubt, I mean, I man. Continue to work. But, and, I mean, 
that's I, I guess that's why I was so emotional because just of how much you put into it. Like I know I know what it means to win one of these things against the guys that I'm fishing against. Yes, sir. Any one of it's it's not like I deserved it more than they did. It was just my time, and I mean Gerald's gonna get his for he quit. No doubt. That's a given. And Might get it this I, week. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I'll be pouring for I, I'll let him. He can win, and I'll take about 35th. We'll take, <laughs> take her on to the Lake Hartwell Classic, son. <laughs> Guaranteed. No doubt. We'll both be just easing over. I, I love it, man. Well, dude, I appreciate you uh, cutting into your prep time to talk to me, and uh, hopefully I get to see you over there maybe a final weigh-in this week. Man, I hope so. I hope you just get to see me on Saturday. I'll be happy to be there Saturday. <laughs> then we'll see what happens after that. I, I like it, man. But we'll be safe out there on the water this week and catch them up. Thank you, buddy. Right. Appreciate see you, Wes. Me. Thanks, man. See you, man. Bye. Wes Logan. Got to reset a camera real fast. I feel like I'm the Chris Mitchell special there. Reset a camera. Wes Logan, man, that's awesome. Two winners. Just guess galore. On low budget. Guests galore. Man, I, I really, man, I, I, I had Wes booked, and I, I got, I was like, man, I never had Keith on. Got to have Keith on. So thanks to those guys. Been, I did. I had technical difficulties. You guys will never see it. But my computer was acting all wonky when I first uh, got on to do this. I had to stop and start so many times. Anyways, uh, hopefully everything worked out. Now that, But I had to reschedule them and, Keep pushing them back so you're seeing me text and scatterbrain more than normal. But we got it in. We got it done. And a huge thanks to those two guys. They are uh, just great representatives in the sport of bass fishing, doing things their way. And you're not uh, seeing the – it's not like a one and done. <laughs> you are going to see more trophies from Keith Carson and – Definitely from West Logan in the next few years, man. It's uh, it's awesome. You can just hear the passion in, in both of their voices, and it's so cool to me. And I, I know I get caught up in the uh, the drama of the business of bass fishing and stuff, but it's so this year, man. I've been so focused on just like the fishing and and, and myself, not talking about the business of fishing, but like myself, like on the water for me. I've just been just as much time as I can on the water with my boys, by myself, with friends, whatever. And it's just so fun talking to people that just love fishing as much as you love fishing. So, um, so grateful to get to do this weekend and week out. And I'm so grateful that you guys and gals tune in, listen, subscribe, all that good stuff, comment. I love it. I love doing this every week and I, I'm grateful for the opportunity. So thank y'all for listening to two just stellar guests back to back. Just Guests galore on Low Budget Live. Uh, one more time before we get off here, uh, just a quick housekeeping reminder. I've got uh, thanks to you, those of you that watched the practice video from the Bassmaster Open. I'm going to have day one and two. Hopefully, day one is finished. I'm through editing and editing it. It's going to go up on Wednesday. Hopefully, day two I will have it finished. I haven't messed with it. Not a lot of footage because I sucked. Uh, so that, that spoiler alert gives you something to look at. But uh, day one's fun. Day one video is awesome. Go check it out. But low budget live live Bassmaster Classic, Fort Worth, Texas, June twelfth from the Library Bar, Fort Worth. Texas. Going to be a live podcast, going to be live music, and we are going to throw down. I got some big, big, big stuff planned for that, and uh, something that uh, if you like my music at all, 
coming out here in the next couple of weeks. Can't wait to share that with you as well. More information to come. Thank y'all so much. Remember, hug your mama. I'm going to take you out with one of the OG Luke Duncan songs, Biloxi Blue. He's been hanging in here for like eight years. One of my favorite songs that I've ever written. And uh, I will see y'all next time. I never could make it last. Spanish moss and Civil War ghosts. Well, I'm going to leave them in the past. Any direction, Lord, I'll be fine. It don't matter east or west. North, south, wherever the wind blows, I'm leaving those burdens at rest. This highway, it does not know my name, and I don't care, no, I don't care. Heading my way for another place, and I got three good tires and a spare. Just a white line gypsy getting out of Mississippi with just enough gas to get there.